Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. is back on Big Blend Radio's Garden Gossip Show today, not only to talk about gardening to attract birds, butterflies, and wildlife into your garden, but to share tips on getting kids out into the garden, too, and enjoying nature. Uh, David is the author of the award-winning how-to book. It's called Attracting Birds, Butterflies, and Other Backyard Wildlife. He is also a naturalist with the National Wildlife Federation and an expert spokesperson for their amazing program, uh, the National Wildlife Federation's Garden for Wildlife program. Since 1973, this has been going on, and uh, they have been educating and empowering people to turn their garden spaces into thriving habitat for birds, butterflies, and other wildlife. And one of the things we've learned with David over the last few months and years, actually, is that once you change your principles of growing this way and doing mm. more native plants, um, all of a sudden your gardens will thrive. And uh, he taught me the last time on the show, was like, what we're doing in our gardens, we can just step-by-step step start replacing some plants or adding plants. You don't have to tear everything out. Mm-hmm. Just simple things that we do not become a dead zone of a community. And I think this is so exciting, and I think it's exciting to get kids out there. I encourage you to go to the website. It's nwf.org forward slash garden. Hey, David, welcome back. How are you? Hi there. I'm doing really well. Hey, Good. excited to have you on the show because, listen, you're talking about getting kids in the garden, and um, I have been on the website, uh, nwf.org, everyone. Um, there's a whole section for getting kids out into the garden for wildlife, and all I, I want to be a kid. I want to make fairy houses. There's all these projects. Um, there's projects on learning about daddy long legs and bullfrogs. I mean, there's cool. all these cool things. that I Can I be a kid? Am I allowed? Everybody can be a kid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? That's right. Um, I mean, that's one of the fun things about getting outdoors and, you know, whether you're gardening or not, um, I think being outside gives us permission to kind of reconnect with our own, you know, our own youth and our own, um, you know, our inner child, right? I mean, most of us hopefully had the opportunity to play outside at least some of the time as kids. And I, uh, I, I love that. I, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be thinking about that the next time I go out in my yard and, and putting my hands in my little, pond to you know pull stuff out and look for snails and whatever um to kind of take a second and enjoy it the same way that i did as a kid yeah it's huge to me growing up um i was always out in the garden and now like i'll do anything to be outside and not inside next to a computer i I start to realize i get crabby and i'm not the nicest person when i'm not out there with that and looking at anything no i know well let me just talk about you (laughs) anyway no but there's something that I think this is in, invaluable. We were just talking uh, with our guest prior to you, and you know she was talking about her community gardens and 
getting school gardens going, and that was one of the things I also learned on the website today with nwf.org forward slash garden, uh, school gardens, and this is another thing, there's personal gardens, but then school gardens also being a big deal. And going through that, I realized how much this is important for kids' development mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, yeah. educationally. This isn't just about, oh, cool, I want to make a fairy garden. This is, um, I really do, I, and I did have one. Um, but this is about, they're actually learning math and things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so I'm really glad you, you, you brought all of that up. I mean, t- two of the big pillars of the National Wildlife Federation over our 80-plus year history um, are things that you might not necessarily think go hand in hand with a wildlife conservation organization. Um, you know, yes, we do work on the enda- on endangered species and protecting habitats mm-hmm. and and all the stuff that you would expect of a wildlife group. But we, as you mentioned, since 1973, have been really active in this space of of wildlife habitat gardening. You know, planting stuff in our backyards, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our cities, in our towns that kind of make them a little bit more habitable to other species and kind of invite those wildlife that otherwise get banished out of our cities into the ever-shrinking wilderness, you know, back in so they can share the space with us. Um, And so this whole idea of urban ecology is something that the National Wildlife Federation has been doing for for decades. Um, In fact, Mm -hmm. we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of the program this year. Um, The other thing is this idea of connecting kids to nature. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that that we do at the National Wildlife Federation that most of our our, our fellow conservation organizations don't really focus on. There's a lot of kid-focused groups out there, and there are local groups that kind of get involved here. But at the national level, we're we're one of the only ones that really um, focus on this. And it goes all the way back to 51 years ago with with the beginning of the publishing of Ranger Rick magazine, which is going oh, yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I and that so, um, you know, yeah. it, 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 it's part of our, our, our sort of our core organizational identity, this idea mm-hmm. of, you know, we not only need to protect wildlife now, but we need to make sure that mm-hmm. we're connecting the next generation to the natural yeah. world and exposing them to how awesome wildlife are so that when they grow up into adults, they actually know a little bit about it and they care about it. And that's actually backed up by research, by the way, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, there, there's research that shows that kids that have the opportunity to go outside and see and have personal experiences in nature, especially if they have an adult mentor that, that helps them do that, they generally grow up into adults that have, you know, higher science literacy and, and they, you know, on, on, a, on a values level, they, they care about protecting wildlife and nature. And so both of those things are really essential to just the identity of who the National Wildlife Federation is. Um, and so whether it's, you know, we're still publishing Ranger Rick magazine, we actually got three different editions for different age groups. So from the little wow. toddlers all the way up to, you know, preteens can be reading various Ranger Rick titles. We've got the companion website, which you've mentioned, with all sorts of, you know, fun stuff on there, um, you know, comics and, and, and games and activities and that kind of thing. Um, you mentioned our Schoolyard Habitats program. And that is really, really a neat program. It um, started back in the 90s, and it's now part of our bigger Eco Schools USA program, which is all about greening schools from you know top to bottom. It's actually an international program that the National Wildlife Federation implements here in the USA. But the schoolyard habitats piece grew out of our wildlife gardening program. And the idea, yeah. as you were mentioning, is not just that you're going to create a wildlife habitat garden that's going to attract the birds and the butterflies and provide habitat, but that it's actually going to be used as an outdoor classroom. And I'm so glad you mentioned math because, you know, a lot of people think, 
oh, yeah, like we could teach science class out there. You can teach anything outside in a wildlife garden. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, different kids have different learning styles. And not every kid, you know, is going to benefit from being cooped up in a classroom all day. And so when schools are able to incorporate some outdoor learning, it actually can really benefit. There's a whole host of benefits. I could go on and on and on. Well, I think this is so cool because um, just as, a, you know, I look at my my upbringing and luckily, you know, I did no different than being urban. I was out in the bush for many years in, in Africa and Kenya as a kid and um, then did go into the urban setting and had to change my perspective. And Ranger Rick was, me, was with me throughout, even <laughs> while we were in Kenya, we were getting them. And I Fantastic. had these huge – do you remember – okay – like Dave, David, I don't think we're that far apart in age. Do you remember the big binders of projects we would get? There's the magazine. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now I know now we are all digital, right? But right. I remember those big binders, and I was like, "Where's my next Ranger Rick? Who cares about the next toy? I want that." There was these projects, but you'd go out, and it was so it's interesting. So cool. Later in life, um, going to high school and having to do biology class, all of that came back to me and it was like this mm-hmm. became things that I understood and I understood biology when the teacher was talking about things I understood what a spore was I understood how pine cones worked compared to over here what it what a bulb was or I understood things I was like ahead of my class from that magazine and those projects and because then I became a geek into it like yeah. it was like <laughs> this is it every bug every snake every lizard like dude that, that's how it works cool. Look you at know it. Can I just say, as a parent, it made my job so much easier. <laughs> I know, but it's so exciting. And there's projects, it and it's like the Junior Ranger Program in National Parks. Oh, I know I adults it. that are now going around and, and, and they're retired, and they're doing all the Junior Ranger Programs. So do you see, like, adults getting involved in this, like, on their own, like, excitement side because it's cool and fun? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, the idea that, that, you know, the National Wildlife Federation and all these great programs and resources and Ranger Rick Magazine uh-huh. are, are there to help parents is by design. Um, yeah. You know, we know that a lot of people don't feel like they're nature experts or they might not even be comfortable going outside, let alone taking their kids out and, and letting them run kind of and explore or, you know, even going camping or something like that. And so, yeah, we try to make it as easy as possible and be, you know, that like trusted resource that, that, you know, with again, decades of experience. I mean, I have to say my colleagues who work on Ranger Rick magazine and Mm -hmm. in our educator programs and our school programs are just like some of the top notch people in those in those fields, I mean, Ranger Rick Magazine wins awards every year, um, and I can brag about that because I'm not personally involved in making those magazines, but you know, I'm really proud of that on behalf of the National Wildlife Federation. So yeah, I mean, we um, we've got experts that know how to you know talk to kids in a fun, entertaining, mm-hmm. but also educational way about all sorts of you know things in, that are sciency or even environmental issues in ways that are age appropriate and ways that um, help them understand some of the, maybe again the complex science and so on and so forth so yeah i mean I, i'm really glad that you you picked up on that fact that that you know we're a resource for parents too um, or anybody that has a kid in their life um, you know i, think, I yeah, because especially if you're living in a city and maybe you weren't raised as a parent you could be a new parent and you weren't raised that way and right. maybe you have no clue. You lived in, you know, downtown Brooklyn, which I don't know downtown Brooklyn, but I know you do better than me. <laughs> you said that, you're on that side of the hood or, of the state or the country, I should say. But um, there's a lot of people that were not raised 
understanding nature. In fact, right. there's a birder that we know who was on our shows for many years, and he's now retired. And um, he 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 was raised out in Southern California, and they lived out in the boonies, and they lived in tents as kids. And they, as bird watchers, mm. they learned the birds. Him and his brother lived in a tent. I mean, this is this. Is, I don't know if this was all legal, but this is how they lived. <laughs> and they made up their own bird names. Yeah. According to the mm-hmm. bird Neat. voice, mm-hmm. the, how they acted. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the 30s yeah. that they were doing this. And wow. they learned animals this way. And Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden they ended up going from Southern California on the border, living in the border, like a Campo area mm-hmm. of San Diego, living up in downtown L.A. kind of deal, East L.A., not downtown, East L.A. And suddenly that was gone, but then they saw, wait, some of the birds were still there. And they didn't know that Sibley's was around or Ranger Rick at this point because they had been kind of shut out that way because of what their parents were doing uh, living-wise. And, and her, his dad was working on the water systems and piping out in that area so it it wasn't a negative thing but this is what they did they created their own bird names but they watched and as kids this was their whole thing and so i think this is so important that uh, parents do have these resources because sometimes parents didn't get chance to bird watch or have a garden they didn't get that opportunity and now with community gardens and school gardens and church gardens and you know all every, every Come on. The Just Because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. For me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Apartment complexes get with that, too. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. We can change this mold, and through the kids, the parents will learn. A hundred percent. And and if anybody out there listening has kids, you know that that's how it works, right? Your kids get obsessed with oh, something, sure. and the next thing you know, you're an expert at it. Um, but but yeah, right. no, that's <laughs> such a great story because you're you're absolutely right. A lot of a lot of people maybe didn't grow up with that kind of exposure to nature. Um, but that's the beauty of a wildlife garden because if you yeah. You know, if you plant some native plants and that are going to attract butterflies and if you, you know, you leave some shrubs up where the birds can nest and maybe you put out a bird bath, minimize the size of your lawn a little bit, give over a little bit of that space to some, some natural plants, the next thing you know, you're going to have this really cool, you know, wildlife oasis that is beautiful. Um, you're going to feel good about it because you know you're helping out the local wildlife, but what better place and what safer place to let your kids go explore nature than literally right outside your own door, you know? Exactly. Like, you don't have to be a naturalist like me, and you don't have to be a wilderness guide to give your kids these kinds of outdoor experiences where they're getting to observe, 
really neat animals. And, you know, we're not talking, you know, lions and tigers and bears. We're talking, uh, I don't know, tiger beetles and ant lions and, you know, uh, some other smaller critter that's named after a bear. Um, you know, birds and butterflies and insects <laughs> and frogs, you know, the kinds of animals that can live in your yard. And, um, you know, again, you don't have to go off into the wilderness to do that. You don't have to be an expert. But if you, if you let your kids go outside, which is sadly something that is happening less and less and less mm-hmm. nowadays um, for a host of reasons, but you know, it, 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 this idea of creating a wildlife garden can be a really great solution to, again, parents' feelings like they don't, they can't do this on their own, but also helping parents get over some of those fears that we have today that, you know, we're afraid to let our kids, you know, play in the neighborhood um, for whatever reason. But, you know, again, if you if you do this in your own yard, not only will it be interesting for the kids, there'll be tons for them to kind of explore and do and learn. And if you need help, again, if you go to our website, we've got tons of outdoor activities really and do. stuff like that, crafts that you can engage the kids with, but while still letting them kind of play and explore on their own, um, you know, it, it's just it's it's the perfect solution. You know, I find it interesting because there's a there's a being taught syndrome and then there's a go outside have some fun and explore and come back with questions yes and i think that's where parents get a little jittery because they they can't always answer the questions nine times out of ten they can't answer it but now we have we can go google and and try to find an answer everything on the website but but you know when i was bringing lisa up and she's going outside and exploring and she would come back in with hey what's this what's that and then she brings it in with her i'm like "Uh uh-oh no um it's okay there's the education i had to have to like say what it was but i learned early on to say i don't know let's go find out instead of trying to pretend i knew became a family project and it was so cool because you guys are so intuitive with all of this and you're you're hitting everything that i wanted to make sure i i got to tonight talking to you guys and and that is what you're what you're touching on is the value Mm -hmm. of unscheduled outdoor playtime and you know play has this sort of negative connotation sometimes like it's frivolous and you know but but play is how animals in the natural world learn and how they mm. you know how they get the skills yeah, that they mm-hmm. need and they hone the skills they need to survive it's the same thing with humans you know we when we go outside and we play you know and explore it it helps us learn about the natural world around us which gives us really valuable information and the fact is is that you know, kids today, one of the problems is that they're actually overscheduled. Um, you know, they get up in the morning, mm-hmm. they go to school, they mm-hmm. go to their after-school activities, they, you know, they do their after-school sports or whatever, then they come home and they play on their iPad for an hour and then they go to bed. And then on the weekends, they're being shuttled from soccer game to, you know, to this birthday party. It's all structured activities. And what is 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 lacking a little bit is what used to happen you know in the olden days you know um where kids just had to go out and 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 invent their own games and turn over rocks and look for frogs and things like Mm -hmm. that and so that kind of unscheduled unstructured playtime is is what not only is missing but it's particularly valuable because it engages kids mentally and physically and um you know kind of peaks 
their, their curiosity mm. about the world in a way that a very structured activity does. Now, again, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with any of those other things that I just listed. You know, we do need classroom time and we do need organized sports. And, you know, after school activities are a godsend, I'm sure, for many parents. Um, but we, we need to get a little bit more of that outdoor playtime, unstructured playtime back into our kids' lives because it's really important. And, and again, I could go on. Uh, and, and do a whole show on some of the, the stats on the, the benefits of this outdoor play. You know, kids that get to go outside and, and, and do unstructured play, you know, they tend to be more physically fit. If they have attention deficit issues, they oftentimes cope better in the classroom if they get that chance to get outside. They're less likely to be nearsighted. They're less likely to have vitamin D deficiency. Um, there's just a whole list of things like that. So, um, so it's better for your up, kids. David. No, there is something. I want to call it. I want to call it the natural question, where like, okay, if you're in a classroom. Um, the teacher says this, and then you may have a question, but it comes from because the teacher did this. When you're mm-hmm. outside and you see something, as a as an adult or a child, you have what I would call, for want of a better phrase, the natural question because it wasn't prompted by somebody telling it's you magic. something. That's what it's makes it magic. It's prompted by seeing something, Discovery. and it's called natural curiosity it's for cool. me. Yep. And then you come in and you want to know about it. Okay, now I have the Internet tools to look it up, which is great, awesome. But the fact of the matter is you are more interested in a natural question for yourself if you want to know something than when it comes in another fashion. It, it, this it, is from you. So now you like, become a human being. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, Lisa got in the garden, and we have weird gardens because we lived in Africa, but w- there's weird gardens here too. And she'd be like, this is not the same ant that was on that plant over there. This one's really big. And then um, the, why is this ant here doing the same thing as that ant or not? And we built her like a, a little uh, hut thingy out of ply a restaurant <laughs> a restaurant a she, restaurant she said she wanted to be a waitress when she grew up i'm like okay let me show you what that's like and so we built her a little hut thingy and the termites ate it and every day she'd come in and say the, the restaurant sinking I'm like that's right those are termites i was a good and waitress later and she would she'd go to the termites and say what's your order you know it was really fun you know yeah, to watch this whole but thing of her watching and she now gets how the world works that's the thing it's a natural discovery i think nancy's right in this thing she about discovered her kids self. kids are able to go i have a question and it's beyond the the curriculum and yeah. and this means that kids are thinking for themselves and starting to ask for themselves versus what's fed to them exactly and that's 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 exactly it i mean when kids yeah. get to go out and explore on their own, they mm-hmm. their brains work, you know? They have yeah. to. And even mm-hmm. if they're not just, like, exploring nature. I mean, I'm even talking about just going out and, you know, inventing games with their friends um, and mm-hmm. having the freedom to do that. And, again, I know some sometimes that's a luxury. You know, not everybody yeah. has the same ability to do that with their kids, you know, depending on where you live and what your resources are and that kind of thing. But, you know, there's – if, if you try, if you know, if you understand the importance of it, there's usually a way. Whether you know it's at a local park or, um, again, mm-hmm. it could even be part of a club. You know, I mean, 
there are Boy Scouts and Girl Scout groups and other groups like that, that even in the middle of cities or out in rural areas, you know, where you might not have as many resources or whatever, um, or other kids to play with, that, that those, those, those structured things could, could be a vehicle for the unstructured play too. So, um, but yeah, that's how it works. And, and that's, mm. again, one of the big things that the National Wildlife Federation is trying to get the word out about. Um, and again, for us, it goes back to, you know, we know that when kids go outside and play and explore, they learn about nature. And what's that saying? You know, you only um, protect what you love and you only love what you know. And mm -hmm. if we're not ever giving kids today a chance to get to know nature and the wildlife that inhabits it, then what's going to happen when they grow up? You know, are they well, not going to know it and then they're, therefore they're not going to love it and then therefore they're not going to protect it? So that's why we are, have such a heavy stake in this. You know, we want to we raise the next generation of conservationists. And I think it's so important, number one, too, that because of the, the whole idea of the, the certified wildlife habitats and, and gardening for wildlife means that you're gardening for your kids, too. And so mm -hmm. I want to get into what we can do and how we can get kids in the garden, some projects and what parents can do. Um, and then we have to do a whole show on a, a segment just on the schools because I think this yeah. is so crucial. Um, but before we get there, I would say the first step from everything I've learned from you and going on the website and like I want to, I just wish we were all sitting outside with wine in the garden right now with the hummingbirds <laughs> flying. Their, hum, their hummingbirds are right here looking at us. Um, but the thing number one is. If you are growing a garden for wildlife and birds and butterflies and bees, you are going, you're growing a, a green, clean garden that kids can be in without risk of being sick from chemicals. I have two, yes. things, two things on this. One is around the corner from us, there's a school, and mm. they have this tiny corner. I love it. This is the weirdest thing, this tiny corner of a native garden that they've actively built, and we watched them do it years ago, and they have built this little tiny corner of a native garden, and they have signs up, and I think we've mentioned this on the show with you before. But it dawned on me the other morning, we took a sunrise walk through there, and I've noticed, like I said, well, I want to go there because the vermilion flycatchers, the mm -hmm. flycatchers are here in Arizona now. This is the season when they're here. I want to go see if the flycatchers are there. What I noticed is that the hawk is always the Cooper's hawks hang out there, and the yeah. big ones do. That all of the bird life is congregating around the this school. tiny corner <laughs> of this school. Yeah. And the starlings were there, the flickers, and the Gila woodpecker. I mean, they were all there, and I was like, "This is crazy." They this as soon as you have this little vegetation spot that is natural, they're there, and kids yeah. are able to be there and. You know, they're learning to be careful of snakes and things like that because we do have them here. We have rattlesnakes, but they're they're being taught that. And yet at the same time, there's this symbiosis happening. It's so exciting. So to me, that just proves, one, they have this interest. The kids are there. They hang out after school. So that's just one thing that wildlife will come, your kids will learn, but they're not putting chemicals there. And that's the right. thing that I love about this whole part of it is your kids are going to be in a safe habitat where um, a, a Facebook group that, of birders, I'm, the one lady went in, she went to a big box store and showed a photo of flowers, and it has something, nicotania or something on there. Mm. Nicot something. Nicotania yeah, is yeah. a flower. Nicotiana. Said, I, uh, yeah, yeah, it said something about the EPA lets this happen, 
and it's fine. Or the FDA, I can't keep up with it. But she was like, Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. This will hurt your hummingbirds. This will hurt your flowers, your plants, uh, your bird life and everything. Don't go and don't buy this. And I was, I was thinking about the butterfly bush thing we talked about. So mm-hmm. I was wondering, too, so... There's chemicals, but now don't we have to, you know, if we look at wildlife, birds, butterflies, bees, all the pollinators, our kids and our pets, we have to look at the plants and that they don't need that kind of stuff. So the plants are coming with chemicals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, oh, I I know what you're saying. Um, You you were trying to say neonicotinoids. Oh, yeah, I I can't pronounce that. Because there's some plants. (laughs) I don't do that. Yes, neonicotinoids are... Yeah, there's nicotinia. That's a beautiful plant. It is a tobacco plant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Neonicotinoids are a group of pesticides that are systemic. So they, you know, seeds are treated with them and plants are treated with them, and they basically are absorbed in all parts of um, of, of the plant's parts. And so if something... Um, like, for example, a, a bee comes and drinks the nectar, well, they are likely then going to be poisoned by that plant. And unfortunately, wow. these, these groups of uh, pesticides have come about because, believe it or not, they are a lot less toxic than some other things and persist less and things like that. And so they really grew in popularity. However, you know, mm. nature's all connected, right? And, and right. there's no undoing that. You know, when you, when you pull one thread out of the food web, it affects right. everything else. And so even though they are better than other, some other chemicals that we used to use, they still are having an impact. And we're learning, you know, there's still a lot of science that needs to be done, but, you know, the, all the indicators are that, you know, they are definitely having impacts on pollinators and, um, and, and bigger ecosystems. And so, um, you know, the National Wildlife Federation actually just passed a, a resolution at our last annual meeting um, that we're, you know, we're, we're pushing for the EPA to suspend use of and, and approval of all of these kinds of chemicals until we can get further research into the actual impacts that they're having on bees and pollinator, other pollinators and things like that. So, unfortunately, they are widely used, as I mentioned. So you, what you want to do to avoid them is look at the plant label. Um, it, and it, you know, you might, you may or may not see something, you know, earmarking the plant, saying this was a plant treated with neonicotinoids. Um, ask at your local nursery. Use your voice as a consumer mm-hmm. to be an advocate for natural gardening. Because if you don't tell the the garden center where you shop that you want plants that don't have neonicotinoids, they're not going to know. And if you do it and I do it and all your neighbors do it, well, then they're going to know there's a market for plants that are not treated with this stuff. And a lot of nurseries nowadays are actually you know, making a statement and saying they're not going to carry plants that, that have these. So that's something definitely to look out for. But, um, but going back to your bigger point there yeah. about this little corner that, you know, just has some, so a little bit more vegetation than 
maybe the surrounding lawns and concrete and what right. a magnet it is for wildlife. You mm-hmm. guys, it's it, like, you know, field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. If you plant yes. it, they will come. It's true. It, it works. It's, so it that's, work. yeah, that's, that's what this is all about. So the first step, but but then I want to just say for for a child growing up, they are not they're not they're being taught, but they're not being taught. They're assimilating knowledge through their own viewpoint. In other words, they're watching it and they're connecting the dots as opposed to being told it's this this this. And when they yep. reach the level where they're being told, they're like, oh yeah, I, I know that actually. Yeah. I've seen it, so, and and right. I think that's what's missing a lot of times, especially if you're going to talk politics and representatives, that maybe they never had the opportunity to actually assimilate their own knowledge and know what's true and what isn't. Don't start me. Um, <laughs> I know, but this is the thing. I think it is absolutely true. So now kids, just let's just reel it back in here. Kids getting into a garden that is native, okay? So the school I'm talking about, this tiny, I mean, I'm going to send you a photo. It it, is this small corner. It's like this is your corner, but most of the land and everything around other than the field is, I mean, we're pretty natural out here in Tucson, but, um, and people have learned that. People's fences are prickly pears, you know, because, like, people Mm -hmm. won't come through there, but, you know, I was going to say guinea fowl. Bunnies Um, do. uh, uh, What do you call them? Quail Quail do. But, so it's interesting, but. This this was I was thinking about this the other morning with you coming on the show and I was like these kids are learning their local plants they're learning exactly. I see them with their yeah. little you know sitting outside the teacher comes out and talks about it and I was like this is so cool these kids are going to learn the difference and so therefore they're going to learn don't plant those big box nicotania whatever no I don't want to say the wrong thing whatever you said. <laughs> Thank you, the neonicotinoids. Whenever it's that big, like you already like have to start worrying. Yeah. So if there's a yeah, you've <laughs> got to. Well, we need to do. I want to. I want to cover something on that because people need to know, and that's the thing. So if kids know that these are native plants, and they will feel safe, right? So we need to create that as a sanctuary for them first, as as a parent or yeah. a school. Yeah, and that's the first yeah. Step. I mean, and again, you get you guys get it. That's that's what this is all about. Um, you know, create natural garden spaces mm-hmm. that support wildlife that don't rely on a lot of chemicals, which, by the way, as you mentioned, are not particularly um, good for us or our pets either. You know, I always cringe every time I see you know the people who have the chemical treated lawns with the sign where there's a big X over the kid and the and the dog. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, how crazy is that that we're poisoning the very land oh, that we right? live on? But, and we even um, and that, that does exist. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so now we, we're going to plant some native plants. Take your kid to the nursery, the native plant nursery, right? Are they part of it? What, what are the first steps to, to creating a little sanctuary for your kids to get involved? What, what are the first steps we can do? So I think one of the, the easiest things to do in, in, to get your kid engaged as, as far as creating a, a, a garden and specifically a wildlife garden is to plant mm-hmm. sunflowers. Oh. Sunflowers are super easy to yeah. germinate. Um, you can get the little, um, 
the little like uh, planting pots that will will be basically break down in the ground so you can start your right. seed right in there and you don't have to pull it yeah. out you can plant mm. that right in the ground you can even use like little paper dixie cup type things as well um and you just get a little bit of potting soil you know go to your local garden center in fact a lot of grocery stores um you know uh, uh, hardware stores and home improvement stores all have you know seeds out um, around this time of year they're going to be putting them out pretty pretty soon here as spring comes upon us you can get sunflower seeds anywhere um, and these are sunflower seeds are great wildlife plants they um, mm. they have nectar mm. and pollen for bees and butterflies and other pollinators even the heavily cultivated varieties there are native sunflowers out there most of the seed packets you're going to get are are cultivated varieties but that's fine they're not considered an invasive you know, non-native plant anywhere. So um, oh, wow. they have great nectar for, for bees and butterflies. And then once those bees and butterflies come and pollinate those flowers, they, they basically fertilize them and they are able to produce the delicious sunflower seeds. And of course, birds love the sunflower seeds. So you yeah. really get multiple seasons of habitat value out of that sunflower plant. But again, it will germinate super quickly. You know, kids have short attention spans, so yeah, you need a little bit of instant gratification here. Um, and it, the, you know, within a yeah. few weeks, the plant will be ready to, to plant outside, and a few weeks after that, it'll start blooming. And then the kids can really see the direct connection between getting their little fingers in the dirt and planting that seed and have ownership over it. And then they get to go out and pick where they're going to plant it in the yard. And, you know, obviously parents have to help with this, you know, making sure that it stays watered and, you know, engage the kids in it, let, let them name it, you know, and it becomes a whole yeah. season long activity. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to do and, you know, kids love it. So that I think is, is like a super simple step that you can do to begin to get your kids engaged in the garden. Another one. That. Yeah, another I love that one because is, we have them out here. Sunflowers go wild, and yeah, and there's I know that we even back in the day bought all these <laughs> native plant seeds. Like we have them. I'm just saying here in Tucson, like, and I was and I was always thinking like sunflowers are they really native? Except for the native ones that we see in the parks. And then you wonder about those too, because nowadays I'm always wondering: is this an invasive? Are you? Is this mustard or not? You know, you, you right. get to this point of wanting to learn. But it's so cool to, because the bugs love them. I have so many sunflower photos with bugs that I don't know, and I'm trying to identify the bugs, and they're super cool, crazy bugs. And if, as a kid and as an adult, I'm like, that's so cool. And you get to watch it, mm -hmm. and especially if they're around. I didn't know that about You made my life just so happy to know that sunflowers are okay. Yeah, I'm and, really happy to and, know that. And yeah. just to say that bugs are okay, too. Bugs rock. Bugs rock. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, I mean, for kids. But the natural, like, most often response to bugs is get the spray, kill them. No. You know, and, right. and it, oh, my gosh, they're so interesting. Yeah, we have some beetles out here that are just, like, really just watching. <laughs> they're so cool. I know. We're 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 weird. But we're not. We're not weird. I think we're just happy people because we're in nature. That's yeah. the cool thing. Okay, so what's, what's your second thing? Because this is cool. Like, I didn't know that yeah. about sunflowers. I remember yeah, growing sure. beans and, and in school. I was just going to say, just before I, I got on the call, mm -hmm. I was revising our pollinator tip sheet. And the, the mm -hmm. number one bullet under the tips are is, is if you have bugs in your garden, it's a good thing. Bugs are a sign Yay. of a healthy environment, healthy. right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the second thing I would say is um, – Get your kid outside and let them dig in the dirt. Yeah. 
you know, sick. we're so afraid of mm-hmm. kids getting dirty. I think there's actually a, a greater awareness nowadays that over sanitizing kids is actually a bad thing. Um, yes. It can actually, yeah. re- you know, um, lead to a weaker immune system. You know, I always say, you know, a spoonful of dirt is medicine. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting that your kid eats dirt, but you know what I mean. Like when kids go yeah. out and get dirty, they get exposed to things and their immune system builds up. So they, you know, they don't end up with as, as uh, bad of allergies yeah. or, or things like that. And so, um, you know, let your kid go out and explore and, you know, do things like turn over rocks and, and, and tip over a fallen log or, you know, look underneath the leaves of, of, of a plant in your garden and look for insects or insect eggs or caterpillars. You know, there's so much life going on, especially if you have a native plant garden. You know, native plants support, mm. you know, infinitely more insects and other wildlife than your ornamental exotics, which frankly were chosen by the garden industry because nothing eats them and nothing can live on them. So they're essentially the equivalent of putting out, you know, sort of plastic plants yeah. in your yard when it comes to supporting wildlife and being part of the ecosystem. So, um, yeah. You know, just just something that's simple, you know, and it could be in your own yard. It could be going for a walk around your neighborhood. Um, You know, a a little bit more involved version of that is to create a a nature scavenger hunt for your kids. So give them a list of things to go look for, Um, you know, a red leaf, uh, you know, a a blue rock, um, a feather, you know, things mm. like that, that they can actually actively kind of engage their mind and, and be thinking about and observing. Um, and, you know, you can make it fun. You can give a prize or, or whatever. You could do this every weekend. And then you at the end you have, you know, sort of this, this list, this little nature journal that your kids have created. So th- there's ways to do it real low key and there's ways to do it a little bit more involved depending on, you know, how much time and mm-hmm. commitment you want to make to it. But, again, even just getting your kid outside – to get their hands in the dirt and look for worms and start to kind of learn about the animals that are actually living in your yard is a really great first step. And then you could take it to the next step and say, okay, well, we saw these earthworms, well, what do you think they need to survive? We saw that bumblebee. What could we do to make sure that bumblebee, you know, that she has a great home? Um, you know, we saw, the, we saw a bird, you know, we saw a bird singing. What could we do to attract that bird to our yard so that it can, it can lay eggs and have its own babies? Right. Well, then that leads to getting into getting your kids involved, but actually helping you put out and and pick the things that you're going to put to create the habitat, which, as we've talked about in the past, is made up of four things, food, water, cover and places to raise young. So, you know, food mostly is going to be your plant. So help take your kids to the garden center. Let them pick out the plants that they like that, you know, obviously you can help them pick the good native plants, but, you know, mm-hmm. let them have a choice in it so that they have ownership over it. Let your kids, you know, pick out the bird feeder that you might want to put out. Let your kids decorate the bird bath, you know, mm. don't paint the inside, but you can get your craft paint out and paint the outside um, and make something pretty. Help your kids or have your kids help you make a tote boat, get an old clay pot and crack it in half. And again, you can paint that as well on the outside and decorate it and glue stuff to it and, you know, make it look like a toad and then put that out in your yard as a little space of cover for toads and other small animals. You know, there, there's so many different ways that you can engage your kids in this idea yeah. of setting up a wildlife garden. And again, the more there you engage them in the process, the more invested they're going to be and the more meaningful it will be when they actually see you know, when you, you plant a milkweed plant and then you find a monarch butterfly caterpillar on it. I mean, whoa, that is huge. Then you get to watch the life cycle 
you know, it, it's one thing to watch this stuff on TV or read it in a book, mm-hmm. but when you get to see it with your own eyes, you know, or you see, uh, you know, a, a Robin family raise their babies in your backyard, mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. It's, you can't, is, you can't replicate really cool that. Thing. And that is, this, that by is the it. time your child becomes a congressman, he will know how to vote, or she will know how to vote. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I just get this feeling sometimes that politically we're dealing with people who don't know anything about nature. Yeah. They don't understand the web of life. They don't understand toxin versus non-toxin because mm-hmm. they never went outside as kids. And so or something. Mm-hmm. You There's, know, where everything was delivered phony, like here's your exotic plants, and as you say, you know, they may be pretty, but they're not delivering what you need, so they don't really get the web of life, which means we can deny climate change. We can deny sure. things that yeah. ha- are happening in nature because it, um, it's easier to say no than it is to say yes sometimes. All I can tell you is that the younger generation, as soon as it gets knowledge, it acts on it, and it does really well, and especially when it hits home. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just saying, yeah. like, really, the young, you got to, I, I don't want to hear anything negative about young people. No, I'm tired like, of that. That's stuff. enough of that stuff, because look at that. Look look at them. Look at them right now. Anytime that they can take a stand, they are. They may have their phones and their, their, their whatever, so video games or whatever. But the reality is they are more clued in, and they want to do things. They want to do, they want mm-hmm. things to be better for them growing up. Um, Absolutely. So, really, the more we can do, give them space in a garden. We all want that. At the end of the day, yep. when it's time for us to be sent off, the last thing we want to do is be out in the garden in the wheelchair. You know, that's what we want to do. We want to be in the yep. garden. At the end of the day, everyone, before they pass on, they want to be outside in nature, no matter if they're in a wheelchair or on a bench, that's what they want. So, that just yep. tells you how close we are to nature and for kids. It is our duty that they have a natural space and that we create it for them and allow and them to also create and co-create with nature and understand it. Um, I just want to tell you, speaking of painting and doing things, David, we were talking about you on a show the other day. Oh, really? Um, there is a couple. <laughs> yeah, actually, we do not, gossip. We do gossip about you on the show. Um, it, <laughs> we, we, had a, we, we did our garden gossip show a few days ago, and um, a couple – David and Shelley Neff have they do they do what's called weird home tours in Austin, Texas. They have this amazing book of all these homes, and what they do is that people that go on the tours, the money goes to help people get into housing to to move forward in their life. Uh, to it's combating the fact that affordable housing is no longer in a lot of places. Anyway, sure. the very first lady in the book is a certified. And WF Garden Habitat, just saying. Yeah. And, there you and go. And we talked Listen. about it on the show. And let me tell you, now her place is an Airbnb, talking about being the surf. They had this whole write-up about it. And her walls of her garden are all painted with whales and all kinds of cool, crazy stuff. And that Fantastic. tells me, isn't that it for kids to have that? Get out of the box, everybody. Like, let it yeah. be fun because garden and nature, like, it allows you to be real. Um, sometimes things die and some things thrive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you get to have that point. Before you go, though, I want to know what's up with this bee habitat that you have because I know you have one. <laughs> I want to well, know because my most yard people will in... never buy anything that has, like, a bee that you're going to now, like, have a bee home. Like that yes. scares people. So I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you before. So now, 
find yeah, me. Yeah, well, well, you know, maybe the next time I come on, I can tell you um, about this whole new campaign that we literally just launched this week called Be Sponsible. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, if, cool. I, I don't have time to get into the gory details yeah, of it yeah, now, yeah, but yeah. everybody out there, if you just Google Be Sponsible, um, you can find out ways that you can get involved in helping to save bees. And yeah. um, I'm not talking just about honeybees, which are really a domesticated species. They're really important for agriculture, but they're really not quite wildlife. For us mm-hmm. at the National Wildlife Federation, we're focusing on the native bee species. There's over 4,000 of them in yeah. North America, and a lot of them are declining too, including species like the rusty patch bumblebee, which actually just got listed as an endangered species. It used yeah. to be really common in people's backyards. So here's the thing about bees, incredibly important animals for life on this planet. They, mm-hmm. Without the pollination services of bees, life on this planet would literally come to a grinding halt. Over 85% yeah. of our flowering plants are dependent on animals to pollinate them and fertilize them, and most, mm-hmm. mostly it's bees that are doing that. There are other insects and hummingbirds and things like that, but bees by far are the most important pollinators. And without the bees pollinating the wild plants, then the wild plants would never set the fruit or the seeds or the nuts that then feed all the other animals up and down the food chain. So wow. they're really, really important. They're awesome backyard wildlife. They're wildlife that you can help on the scale of your own backyard. And, it, it, again, it just boils down to planting a bunch of pretty flowers and not spraying toxic chemicals everywhere. If everybody did that, we could really give a boost to our bee population. And that's what Bee Sponsible is really all about for the National Wildlife Federation, trying to get that word out and inspire people, again, just to plant the wildlife-friendly garden like we've been talking about for 45 yeah. years. And, you know, think about the impact that you're going to have on bees. You could also do things like put out a native bee nesting block. Most of our native bees do not form hives. You know, everybody thinks honeybees. Most native bees are solitary. So it's one female bee. She finds a tunnel. Um, you, most species nest actually in the ground, in little tunnels in the ground mm-hmm. that they dig. And yep. Yeah. Um, about 70% of our native bees do that. The other 30% nest in like old mm-hmm. uh, you know, beetle tunnels or termite tunnels in decaying wood, like a dead tree mm-hmm. or a fallen log. So number one, you can give them nesting places if you allow you know, some of your yard just to be in, in sort of like bare gravelly dirt um, instead of mulching everything or planting everything. And that might become a really um, great, important resource for some of our native ground nesting bees. Similarly, you can leave out uh, a fallen log or other kind of fallen woody debris that will be natural nesting places for, the, for those kinds of bees that nest in, in those places. Now, you can mimic those just like you can mimic a, a cavity in a tree for a bird like a bluebird or a chickadee or something that nests in holes in trees by putting out a bird nesting box you can put out a bee house that has uh, a whole bunch of replaceable little tubes that kind of mimic what their natural tunnels that they would be laying their eggs in. And even though they're, they're solitary, they're happy to nest in close proximity to each other. They just don't have a hive where they take care of each other and, and that kind of thing. And so what the female bee does is she goes out and she gathers nectar and pollen. She goes into the tunnel. She rolls that into a little ball. She lays an egg on it, and then she builds a little chamber wall. And she'll fill up the tunnel, um, her nesting tunnel, with a whole series of these little chambers. And then off she goes. The, bee, the little baby bees hatch. The larvae feed on the, the bee. It's called a bee loaf, like a loaf of bread of the nectar and pollen. Mm-hmm. They feed on that. They pupate. And eventually, uh, oftentimes the next year, they'll chew out and they'll start the cycle again. This is what can be happening right in your, in your own yard. And one final note, yes, female bees can sting. 
but most bees are, they're just not likely to sting you, especially native bees, um, the solitary yeah. bees, because, you know, think of honeybees. They've got a whole hive filled with all of their babies and all of their honey. They want to protect that, right? But most of our native mm -hmm. bees don't have that. So unless you really grab them and squeeze them, um, they're really not just not going to sting you. Um, I've seen little kids actually holding some of you know, various native bee species with no issue whatsoever. Not that I recommend handling any wildlife, but you get the point. So, yeah, bees right. are important. You can help them in your yard. And, again, if you folks want to go check out the Garden for Wildlife program, you guys have been great about giving the website, nwf.org slash garden. And um, if you go to besponsible.org or .com, I'm sorry, you can get involved in that specific campaign tied to our Garden for Wildlife program. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much for because I, I wanted to know what that bee box is all about. It's we've gone from the beak box to the bee box. And it is true. <laughs> Sometimes we went on a, a hike with a ranger in Pinnacles National Park, and we're like, "Look at that! Look at that!" And he goes, "That's actually a bee. They have like uh, they have four hundred bee species." Yeah, and yeah. it didn't look anything like what I would. Oh, know oh my God! Yeah, I mean, crazy that's cool. the other. That's the other thing. Everybody thinks bees are black and yellow. No. Yeah. Not all bees no. are black and yellow. In fact, many bees are metallic, green, mm -hmm. or black, or blue, mm -hmm. or even red. Um, many bees are tiny, you know, little mm -hmm. itty-bitty things. You probably have tons of bees flying around in your yard right now, and you didn't even know there were bees. I actually right. just wrote a blog. Um, so if you go to blog at nwf.org, um, all about, like, it's called, it's basically 10 facts about bees. So if you want to learn more about these guys and see some really cool pictures, seek that out. Um, you can, um, again, Google Be Sponsible or go to uh, blog.nwf.org and, and search on bees and you'll find it. Um, but it's 10 facts, and, and this is all the stuff that, uh, that I include in that blog, plus a whole bunch of other really cool info. So definitely check that out. Okay, well, we'll have to do a bee segment, okay? And yes, I'll, I'll get let's definitely do that. From Pinnacles National Park on yeah, there because he's, he's, he's a bee man. He's a moth man, too. Like, he goes, Love travels it. the country looking at him. So thank you so much. I know we kept you longer than normal, David, but it's always so exciting. We get, we get all geeky out and, like, I don't know, it's like a big nature fix. It's very cool. And everybody, again, nwf.org forward slash garden. Go there. Get involved. It is so cool. And, like, Really, you'll see birds that you didn't even know existed in your backyard. Seriously, we have cardinals in Arizona. Who thought, right? Who would know that? They're here now, and we can hear them all day long. It's so cool because we have native habitats all around us. So check it out, nwf.org forward slash garden. Thanks so much, David. You take care. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.